Coming up on this episode, I'm joined by Wizards expert Gibson Lowenberg to check in on how Jordan Poole's going in his first season with the Warriors, along with Patrick Baldwin Jr. We actually didn't discuss Ryan Rollins. Maybe we should have done that. But uh, anyway, kind of not really a factor anymore in the NBA. Uh, we also spoke about Kyle Kuzma and other trade discussion regarding Washington. Before the deadline here, which is coming up in a, in a few days, would Kuzma be a good fit with the Warriors? We discussed that. Uh, and plenty more. So uh, thank you very much for Gibson for coming on and enjoy the podcast. Gibson, great to have you back on the podcast, mate. First of all, the Washington Wizards, a 9-38 record so far this season, and it's led to the move of Wes Unsell Jr. from head coach to the front office. The first question to you, how much of that is a... I've seen it described on social media as a bit of a cowardly move from the Wizards franchise to move their head coach back into the front office rather than just getting rid of him entirely. Do you see it in that light? Uh, I don't actually. I personally really like the move. Uh, during the off season when they were completely rebuilding uh, the roster, one of the uh, ideas that I had to potentially make the roster grow even better was to actually move uh, Ansel Jr. into the front office. Because in my opinion, while he is not a great coach, his rotations are not great, his uh, play calling is extremely limited, and his just feel for the game is not there whatsoever. So I think keeping his family and his name involved in the franchise due to just who his dad was and everything his dad did for the franchise is, is extremely valuable. He's just not the coach for the team. And so I like the move to send him to the front office personally. Yeah. And they've brought Brian Keefe in as the interim. I think, I mean, is there a chance here that he gets the full-time job and how have the Wizards, I suppose, been playing since he's come on board? Um, I think absolutely he's going to get the full-time job. Um, you look at his coaching history, even before the Wizards, he's done development for guys like Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. He worked in, I believe, Brooklyn just before this as well. He's got a long history of developing players really well, and he's done a great job so far in uh, Washington. Like A great example would be I've seen uh, almost 90% of Jordan Poole's games in his, his NBA career, and this is the best defense I've seen out of him in a three-game stretch his entire, what, four years now career. It's been yeah. an impressive turnaround for him in particular during the Keefe era, I guess. Yeah, okay. Let's get on to, to Jordan Poole specifically. Then how would you evaluate his season overall? Because I've watched it, particularly early in the season, I was obviously very interested in watching him play. Uh, obviously, throughout an 82-game season, you don't get to watch every game of a, a rival team. Uh, and so I haven't watched too much of, of JP more recently. Uh, but if you just look at the numbers, 16.5 points per game, that's actually nearly four points down on what he did with the Warriors last season, which is a bit of a surprise given, I mean, when that trade went down, we thought, yep, he's going to give be given the keys to the Wizards' offense. He could, you know, bloom into a, a near all-star caliber player with that opportunity, and it hasn't necessarily been the case. The shooting percentages aren't great. I think he's less than 32% from three-point range. Obviously, the defensive issues that you just spoke about are still have still been pre- prevalent early in the season. 
How would you evaluate his form so far for the Wizards, particularly in comparison to expectation? He has definitely underperformed the expectation that I think everybody had for him. Uh, but also, like, that's okay to a certain extent. Um, I still think he has potential to grow into a good player, but a lot of that's just going to come down to his shot selection. Um, and there are games where he has incredible shot selection and he just plays in the flow of the offense and he gets great looks every time down the floor and he makes, he makes them too uh, during those games. But then there are games where he just settles for 35 foot Hall uh, heaves with two two defenders in his face every single time down the floor, and his shooting percentage looks absolute garbage, and he's just not making anything, and it's it's completely mucks up the entire offensive flow of the team. There's really two Jordan pools in that respect, almost. Yeah, yeah, I think like that's always been the issue with him is just the efficiency, and also. What else does he do if the shots aren't falling, if he's not making those tough shots that he often takes? Like, obviously, defensively, he's been a massive liability going back to, you know, last season's playoffs where he was really unplayable because he was averaging only 10 points and his, his defense was absolutely woeful. Also, like, the playmaking aspect to him, I think he's at 3.4 assists this season, which I, th- I believe is down as well on what he did last season. Is there... Room to grow for for you in terms of other areas of his game. Like, do we expect that? Do you expect that this three game stretch where you know he's a better defender? Do you think that can be a prolonged thing across the course of the remainder of the season? Then moving forward, uh, and then the playmaking aspect as well, because I was always pretty hopeful on him as like a lead ball handler, like a point guard rather than a two guard. But that hasn't necessarily come to fruition at this stage. By the looks. Yeah, um, I'm not entirely sure if the defense is sustainable. Um, naturally, it's only three games, so it's uh, almost not even worth mentioning. But it's something that new coach, uh, the only way we have to be able to really analyze what he's done for the team. In terms of playmaking, I think the only way we can really see him take a leap is if they just throw him in the deep end uh, after the trade deadline. Because I've been seeing a lot of talk about Tyus Jones being moved. So uh, if Tyus Jones gets moved, I would love to see uh, Jordan Poole start at the point guard and just have him play like a Steph Curry-esque role for the Wizards. Like obviously not at the same level as Curry, but like that's the type of player where you kind of want Jordan Poole to become if he has the tools or you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, ab- absolutely. Like he was, even his time at the Warriors, he was seen as kind of like a Steph disciple, you know, third splash brother, whatever else. And then I think when he went to Washington, I I was under the indication that he would probably be the starting point guard and try to develop into that kind of player. And then obviously Tyus Jones comes in as well. And, you know, he's the point, JP's the, the two. Looking back at the, the pool for Chris Paul trade on, on draft day back in June. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's, I feel like it was only yesterday that that trade was made, but now it's like well over six months, I think, since yeah. since that move or about six months, whatever. Uh, how would you like reevaluate it at this stage? Still a, a positive deal, you think, for the Wizards? 
I think the Wizards are still coming away from that trade pretty happy because neither player has a positive contract at this point. Um, Jordan Poole still has three more years of yeah. fully guaranteed $30 million, whereas Chris Paul, this is his last guaranteed season. So in that respect, the Warriors are probably very happy, but the the Wizards can afford to pay Poole that much over the next three seasons, whereas the Warriors really couldn't. And then on top of that, they also get uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr., who has looked decent when he's played, but he hasn't played much. And uh, they got the picks out of it as well. So I think the Wizards still make that trade 100% of the time. Yeah, I think it's a a, a trade where it's not horrific for either team. The thing from a Warrior perspective, and maybe this is the same for the Wizards, is that what else could you have done? Like, what else could you have got for Jordan Poole that wasn't Chris Paul? And yeah. from a Wizards aspect, like, what else could you have got for Chris Paul rather than rather than Jordan Poole? And maybe there's alternatives that if they'd waited a bit longer throughout the offseason. Because, you know, that, that Chris Paul trade happened, what, a week after he was moved from the Suns to, to Washington or whatever. So... Maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe if both franchises had waited a little longer, a better respective deals for both teams may have come along for those two players. You just mentioned Patrick Baldwin Jr. there. Is there a future for him in the NBA? Because I look at this trade, and if we're going to include the Patrick Baldwin Jr. for Trace Jackson Davis uh, part of it, which it which it kind of was late on draft night, I think that's that's almost the biggest part of the deal right now is yeah. the – is the P- PBJ for Trace Jackson Davis because TJD is looking great for the Warriors. Uh, Steve's still a bit hesitant to kind of utilize him, although this game coming up in four hours uh, against the Grizzlies, Dario Saric is out, so we should see more TJD minutes. And then PBJ, you said it looked okay, but you know he's got some limited opportunity. I I liked him at the Warriors in his rookie year, and I at times when there was a few injuries, I thought he should have been playing a little bit more. Sweet stroke, six foot nine, six foot ten. Uh, yeah, is there a future for him though in the NBA? Do you think? I think uh, first of all, I 100 percent agree with you. I really liked watching him on the Warriors last season. I remember writing a ton about him, maybe giving him a little bit too much credit. Um, and this season, uh, every time he's played for the Wizards, I've really liked his intensity. He's getting to the rim a lot more consistently, and he's making uh, plays off the dribble as well once he gets to the rim, when he gets the opportunity. And he's also rebounding at a rate that, with the Wizards that he never did with the Warriors as well, which is a nice little development to see. The issue is, is the only place he can really get minutes at the moment is at the center position where almost all of the minutes are going to Marvin Bagley and who's playing the best basketball of his career and Daniel Gafford, who is also playing the best basketball of his career. Whereas Patrick Baldwin Jr. is more of a forward rather than a center. So it, yeah. he might get a ton more minutes uh, after the trade deadline, depending on what happens with the wizards. Um, but for right now, it's just t- kind of difficult for him to break this current rotation. But I do see him having a role in the NBA going forward. Yeah, I guess the the biggest question mark to me, even watching him last season, is what is actually his role? Because I think with the injuries that he's kind of suffered in college, the mobility to play as a power forward against some of the league's best is going to be very questionable. Mm-hmm. But then he's probably not quite big enough to be a 
genuine, you know, stretch five kind of thing. So I do worry about where his role may lie there on the defensive yeah. end with the lack of mobility to play the four, but then the lack of, you know, big size to play at the five. Uh, let's get on to some kind of trade speculation with the Wizards because they're probably going to be one of the, the bigger players here over and we've got less than a week now to go. Uh, we had a, a report from Shams, I think it was a couple of weeks ago now, saying that all Wizards players were basically on the table aside from Bilal Koulibaly, which is a similar position to the Warriors because Shams said basically the same thing about Golden State uh, with everyone available bar Steph. How many players do you think will realistically be moved before the deadline from the Wizards? I could see just about all of them being moved. Um, I don't think Bilal Koulibaly will be moved. Uh, he's Again, he's untouchable. Um, I don't think Denny Avdia will be moved. I think it's going to take a lot more than anybody's really going to be willing to give up for him for, to make the Wizards give him up. And then Jordan Poole, I don't think the Wizards are going to give up on him just yet. I think they're going to try and continue to rebuild that trade value. And then the last guy where I'm like, I don't, know if he's going to be moved, but he could, is uh, Kyle Kuzma. Um, I I fully agree with the tra- uh, trade value they're giving, they're putting on him, or the asking price for him, especially since uh, the Nets are turning down the same offer for uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, so I don't yeah. think, or I don't know if Kuzma gets traded, um, but I could see teams being reluctant to give up the package that it would take for the Wizards to give them up. Um, and then the centers, I don't think either Gafford or yeah, Bagley. I, sorry, yeah. sorry uh, I don't think Bagley or yeah. Gafford will be moved, but if, if between the two of them, I think Gafford is more likely to be moved. Yeah, fair enough. I, I did want to speak about Kuzma. It's interesting because we saw that uh, that report you know, last week or whatever saying that the Wizards wanted multiple first-round picks for mm-hmm. him, uh, which I think is fair enough because I don't think it's – I mean, he's just signed a new contract in free agency. He's got three years to go after this. It's not like he's an expiring deal where – like he was last season where Washington, you know, there's the threat of losing him for nothing in free agency, so you, you want to try and get value for him. Yeah. They obviously didn't move him last off season, and, and then were able to re-sign him in, in free agency. So there's not the absolute determination, I don't think, to – have to move on from him for for any reason apart from if another team, a contending team, is willing to overpay. However, there was the report, I think, from – I think it was The Athletic yesterday, I might be wrong, saying that the idea of two first-round picks uh, might be somewhat overblown. Um, now, what that means, I don't know. I, I think – I don't know if teams would be hesitant to give up two completely unprotected picks. Maybe it'd be one unprotected and one – heavily, you know, top five, top ten protected, something like that. Uh, do you think, though, like, you, gun to your head, do you think that Kyle Kuzman will be on the Wizards at the end of the trade deadline, or do you think a, a contending team, I don't know if you've got another a team in mind, that will actually stump up the, the price that it's going to take to get him? Um, I'm not sure, actually. I mean, I think for the value Kyle Kuzma brings to the table. And then especially with his contract, he is on a fantastic contract. Uh, every year it's, he gets paid less than yeah. the year before. Um, so I could see a team being willing to offer the uh, the Wizards asking price, especially if the Wizards are willing to take a bad contract 
as part of it. Um, I know I've talked to you before about uh, the Warriors, and I know you aren't really interested in uh, the Warriors trading for Kuzma, but I think they could offer an incredibly intriguing uh, trade package without giving up two uh, first-round picks, uh, but I think it would include Moody and Kuminga if they were to keep at least if they were to only give up one first round pick, but I don't know again, if he'll be moved at all. I just, that I could see them just holding on to him for another year or two. I can guarantee you that Jonathan Kaminga would not be included in any Kyle Kuzma deal. That is absolutely for sure. Yeah. Like the issue for me, the issue for me with like the Kuzma to the Warriors deal is that obviously with the salaries, it'd have to be Andrew Wiggins. Mm-hmm. And, like Wiggs is playing well recently, and the kind of the front court of Wiggins, Kaminga, Green is starting to to actually look pretty good in, with that combination. And I just I have a hard time thinking to myself, like, do you want to give up Wiggins and assets for Kuzma? And that's what it's going to have to take, and rightly so. But I think the Warriors would be better off taking the gamble of let's hope that Wiggs can, you know, this recent stretch, these last kind of four or five games, last couple of games where he's had 20-plus points, let's gamble on this, you know, being a more consistent uh, aspect moving forward and him returning somewhere near his best form rather than, you know, giving him up a guy that, you know, less than two years ago was the second-best player on a championship team and who even last season, like if he started last season, uh, even maybe midway through last season, you would have said Andrew Wiggins is a better player than Kyle Kuzma. To give up Moses Moody and or first round picks along with Wiggins for Kuzma, uh, I think is is something that I I hope they don't do. Uh, basically, I'd rather take the gamble gamble on because like what is Kuzma doing for the Warriors? The Warriors are twelfth. They're definitely not winning a championship if you add him. They're maybe they make the playoffs, but is it actually worth it? Is it worth giving up Andrew Wiggins? and assets for Kyle Kuzma. I don't think he's enough of a difference making player for that to be for that to be worth it. The other thing I had to you like is there a bit of empty calories notion with Kuz? Obviously his numbers with the Wizards have, you know, skyrocketed really in his in his couple of seasons there. And, you know, that's largely on the back of, you know, a, a greater role in, in the Washington offense. And so I look at his numbers, twenty two points a game. His shooting numbers aren't great necessarily. He's like less than 40, 46% from the floor, 33.3% from three-point range. Is there an element of good numbers on a bad team here, or do you think he's a legit 20-point per score? Even on, you know, let's say he came to the Warriors and was playing next to Steph Curry and he was playing next to Clay Thompson. Heck, he's playing next to Jonathan Kaminga, who is averaging 25 in the last seven games. Would Kuzma still be a 20-point-per-game scorer in that kind of scenario? I don't know if he'd average 20 next to Steph, uh, but I could see him very easily fitting into that Andrew into that same Andrew Wiggins role because uh, he's. I'm not going to say he's a better finisher, but he's than Wiggins, but he's definitely a better post player than Andrew Wiggins in my time watching him. He's got this little this little hook shot that he really likes going to over and over again. Um. And he's not a better three-point shooter than Wiggins is either, but he is a better tough shot maker almost. So mm-hmm. I could see, yeah, I could see him yeah, doing something with the Warriors, especially since he's won that championship with before. The Warriors with the Lakers, 
Needing a second. I'm not entirely sure. Needing a, um, a second shot creator. Uh, another go-to guy. Um, <clears throat> that's why Kuzma, I think, you know, has has been of interest to Warrior fans and other teams' fans for that matter as well. But with what Kaminga has done in the last seven games with his ability to be a a, a go-to guy for the Warriors, a guy they can give the ball to and let him go to work, I think the need for Kuzma is far, far less than what it may have been, you know, even a few weeks ago. Going to have to finish it up there. Unfortunately, a few internet issues between Gibson and I, which is bound to happen, unfortunately, sometimes when you're in two different countries. It is what it is. Can't do too much about it. But thank you again to him for coming on and divulging some Wizards information. Before the deadline, there's certainly going to be a team to watch. And moving forward, obviously, a lot of us Warrior fans hugely interested in Jordan Poole and what he's going to do over the remainder of his career. So I appreciate Gibson coming back on again. Thank you for you guys that have tuned in. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel already, that would be greatly appreciated. You can follow me at POC252, that's P-O-K-252 on Twitter. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Warriors, uh, about three hours away here from taking on the Memphis Grizzlies. First night of a back-to-back. Let's hope for a couple of Warrior wins.